This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Leader Books, Michael Hyatt's monthly book club for leaders. You can learn more at leadtowin leaderbooks. Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. Today, we're going to show you how to solve a problem that plagues many businesses turnover. Yeah, this is a really big problem because when you have turnover in your business, whether it's really high or if you're uh, running a small business, even just a few people every year, I mean, it's expensive. It's expensive to recruit people the first time and train them and get them up to speed. But when they leave, you lose momentum on projects, you disrupt um, the goals that you're pursuing. And honestly, it's demoralizing for your culture. And there's a real kind of ripple effect that you have to do cleanup, not to mention the hiring of the replacement. This- This is the kind of thing that makes entrepreneurs rethink their vocation. It's like, does it really have to be this hard? Maybe I should just go back to work for the man. Yeah. This is when you say, where do I go to resign? Exactly. (laughs) You know, and it can feel like, honestly, you're the only person committed to your vision, you know, that you're, you're struggling to keep people and you're also struggling to keep the vision of your company alive. And it just doesn't seem to catch on. And you're like, what's going on? Well, today we're going to give you three steps to retaining your top talent. But before we do that, Let's bring Larry on. Hey, Larry. Hey, Larry. Hey, guys. Great to be here. And I just wanted to let you know this will be my last day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were serious for a second. I, little, I like, like just a for a half a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Don't leave. You can't quit. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> What's the root cause of turnover? I think it's lack of vision. I think that unless people connect, feel connected to a bigger, better future, then life becomes very kind of almost trivial. And then all the workplace politics and, you know, all the little challenges of doing the work, you know, are are the kinds of things that flush people out of the business. But if they're connected to creating, co-creating a future, you know, it's a completely different thing. Yeah. And your culture, which is often sort of the glue of your team, that really comes straight out of your vision. You know, you are not going to have an amazing culture if you don't first have a compelling vision. It's just impossible. And so then if you lose those two things, if you don't have vision that then informs your culture, then all of a sudden people kind of get stuck on secondary issues like compensation or, you know, the kind of precise- Lack of engagement. Yeah, lack of engagement or the precise points of their job description or they're not happy with their growth path or things like that. They get just stuck on the little things. um, And then all of a sudden you have a lot of competition in the market, especially the market we're in. It's very difficult difficult for other companies to compete with you if you have an amazing, compelling vision and a culture to match it. But if if people are left with no vision and all there is um, are just kind of the deal points on their, uh, their employment agreement, you're in trouble. This is especially important for leading millennials. Yeah. Hmm. I've never met a more mission-focused, vision-oriented group than millennials. It's not that other Demographics don't have that. But millennials in particular, if you don't engage them on the vision level, they get bored and disruptive. But if you do, they work like none other. And we've got a company full of millennials, and I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. I think they do a phenomenal job. We still have to beg them to take time off. Our turnover is very low, but they're motivated by the vision, by the mission of the company. Right. And so often when you start losing people, you know, you certainly have a lack of vision, but 
also, it's just not clear. You know, you may, it's, it may not be that you don't have any vision, but it's not clear. It's also that you're not communicating it. Maybe as the CEO or the business owner, you wrote it down one time, like five years ago, but you didn't share it with your team or you shared it once with your team. And now only half the people are there that were there five years ago when you wrote it. And they just don't understand kind of what their role is in the vision. They can't see themselves as a key contributor with a role that has meaning in creating that future that's part of your vision. And, and that's when you start losing people. So staffing, like just about everything else in business, boils down to vision. Other companies can match your compensation and your perks, but they cannot match your unique vision. So we're going to talk about the three steps that every leader can take to improve retention, and they all center on vision. Step one clarify your vision. Yeah. So for the purposes of this discussion, let's say that you have a vision. You have some view of the future, some general sense of where your company's going. But the question is, is that vision clear? You know, and for it to be clear, one of the most important things it's got to be, in my view, is written down. If you don't have the discipline to write the vision down, you may think it's clear in your own mind, but you're not going to be able to communicate it in a compelling way. Well, it's kind of like a game of telephone. You know, you may have it as a leader in your mind, but if you were to ask five of your staff members what the vision of the company is, guaranteed they'd be all radically different. That's right. And so writing it out, and in fact, writing it out in a specific format where you're talking about kind of your vision for your team, your vision for your products and market, your vision for the impact that you want to have in the world, all those things are important. And, and this is why I also think that it's often a waste of time when you talk about vision to try to come up with what I think is more aptly termed a slogan, right? So, you know, we're trying to get this down to some little pithy sentence that'll motivate us and really encapsulate what it is we're trying to create in the world. No, you need more clarity than that. I think that's largely a waste of time. If you could come up with some, you know, amazing sentence that would describe the future you're trying to, to build, you know, great. But I think leave that for the slogan you got to get more detail than that. So one of the best ways to clarify your vision is to use what I call a vision script. And this is the term that I use in my uh, new book, The Vision Driven Leader, which will be out here in a few weeks. And in it, I talk about uh, basically how to create this vision script. And basically, it's a document that ends up being two, three, maybe four pages long. So it's not a vision statement. So I think people spend a ton of time, largely wasted, trying to boil down everything that they see for the future into some kind of pithy statement that's clever. And I think if you can do that, great. But, but that's honestly, really a tagline. Yeah, that's really a tagline. And it's probably going to be pretty ambiguous and subject to interpretation and more likely misinterpretation because it doesn't have enough specificity. Like if you're going to build a house, I got to give you more than a sketch right? Or more than an idea. I need a full set of blueprints that shows what I envision. And a vision script does that. Specifically, you're going to talk about four different components that make up the vision script. You're going to be talking about your vision for the team. So pick a period, like maybe three years into the future. What do you envision for your team and for the culture that you're trying to create? Number two, what about the products or the services that you're going to offer? What do you envision three years hence? And by the way, we found that about three years is about the right 
number, you know, when you're thinking about vision about three years into the future, hard to have clarity beyond that. Some businesses you need it, but for most people, about a three-year vision is great. And then vision about the sales and the marketing. In other words, how do you deliver the product or the service to the marketplace? What does it look like? What do you envision? And then finally, what's the impact? The impact you're going to have financially, but also in non-financial terms. Now, we don't have time to get into all this, and, and my book goes into great detail about how to create a vision script, but I do want to give you a couple of hints for doing this. First of all, stand in the future. Literally project your mind into the future and imagine what you see. Imagine for your team what it looks like. Imagine what it looks like for your products, sales and marketing, what it looks like for impact. State it in the present tense and write it down. Thoughts disentangle themselves, pass it over the lips and through pencil tips. And if you want to get clearer, force yourself to write it. This doubles up as a communication tool as well. Because once you get it out of your head and onto paper, it can be objectified and discussed and debated and argued and, more importantly, communicated. So let me give you an example of a statement, which is part of the vision script for each of these four areas. So for example, at Michael Hyatt and Company, one of the things that we've uh, said in terms of our vision about our team is we've said each of our employees is able to spend the majority of their time at work in the desire zone. And the desire zone is where they have passion and proficiency. That's our vision for our team three years hence, or another one under team. Uh, our employees have the flexibility to be present for their family during the work week as needed, so they're able to attend important school functions, doctor's appointments, and the like. So that's us envisioning the kind of culture, the kind of team culture that we have in the future. Here's one for product. We've said, uh, we understand that our ultimate product is not the content itself, but the transformation the customer experiences by means of our product. So that's a statement under the product category as part of our vision script. You can kind of start to see how if you're an employee and you're listening to this, how you could get really excited about it. You know, this is like a big story that you want to be part of. And you can start to see yourself in. You can imagine what your life is like. You can imagine the impact of your work. And that is a humongous retention strategy. Well, the takeaway here is that nobody can follow a fuzzy vision and it's not going to motivate anyone. So make your vision clear by making it concrete and specific. And just one last question on this for both of you. About how long is our vision document? Three pages, I think. Yeah. It could be, th I, I would say, and I say this in the book, it ought to be like three to four pages. You know, again, you're not trying to, to compress it into some pithy statement that encapsulates all you envision about the future. You know, it's got to be more than that if it's going to function as a blueprint for, for creating that future. Yeah, it needs to be specific enough. And really, the other thing that happens when you have a vision script like this is it serves as a filter. You and your team will know if the things that you're considering are in alignment or out of alignment with the vision that you have committed yourself to, which is really helpful. So step one, clarify your vision. Step two, communicate your vision. I think the first thing we have to say here is that most leaders under-communicate their vision. Even if they have a vision, even if it's written, they're not communicating it as often or as frequently as they need to. And uh, I, I think I may have given this example in an, another episode, but I remember an executive coach telling me in the midst of the, the recession when I said, I am tired of talking about the vision. And she said, when you're at that point, you're about half done. Because, and, and Andy Stanley says this, vision leaks. 
You know, it's in the in the midst of the daily battle when you're really struggling with, you know, a customer complaint or trying to get this product to market on time, you forget the vision. You know, you lose context. You lose sort of the long-term uh, picture of where it is you're trying to go. And that's one of the principal roles of leaders is to remind people. It, it, it's connecting the dots, how your small actions today connect to a larger vision of where we're going together. You're kind of like a lighthouse, really. Yeah. You're in the storm and you know, you're know you not sure where you are. And that lighthouse or that vision is what helps you get home. So let me just say a few things about kind of how we do this practically at Michael Hyde and Company. So this has changed over the years, but this is how we're doing it now. So certainly at our annual meeting, this is something, this document that we read. And that may sound boring, but I can tell you that our team loves this. Um, we try to do it with enthusiasm, almost like a dramatic reading. Um, but it's like they come to that meeting and they want to know, where are we going, guys? You know, they're excited to discover that. How has it changed since last year? And by the way, we look at this on an annual basis right. and we true it up to how things change because it does change over time. But then the thing that we're now doing is that we break those four categories of the vision script up and on a quarterly basis. We are not only reading the vision script in its entirety, but we're going to do a deep dive into each one of those components. So for example, we'll start with team, you know, in the first quarter, we'll go deep on our vision for team and why we have said what we have said there and really share in depth the vision that we have for our team and our culture. And then we'll move on to our product, you know, in the second quarter and the content product team will go deep into our vision around product lines and all the things that we have have planned and really get the team jazzed because one of the things that happens when you grow is that people outside of your departments may not really know what's happening in other departments, mm -hmm. you know? So the finance team may not know a lot about the product lines that we have or that we're content or working to develop in the future. And they need to be aligned around that because they're supporting it on the back end. Um, and when people understand the full context, they, they really feel like they're part of something big. So that's how we're doing it right now. Um, and I think it's going to be just fantastic. Well, again, I want to emphasize, you can't do this too much. You know, just because you've announced it at one point, you know, this is not a one and done thing because you've got new people coming into your business. You've got people going out of the business. People are forgetful. People lose context. And we just have to keep reminding. That's one of the principal jobs of a good leader is to remind people of where it is we're going. Where is all this leading, all this activity? Where does it go? That's also what creates engagement and what's reduces turnover. Because if people feel like their daily actions matter, that it contributes to a larger vision, you know, then all of a sudden it makes sense. You know, there's that classic story uh, that was told, I don't know, Larry, you may know the source of this, but it happened apparently in, in medieval Europe somewhere, and they were building a giant cathedral. And somebody walked up and, and said to some guy that was laying brick, what are you doing? You know the story? Yeah, I do know the story. Yeah. I don't know the source either. And so and so the guy says, well, I'm laying brick. I mean, it's pretty apparent. You know, I'm just slapping bricks together here and putting the mortar between them and so forth. Ask another guy. He said, so what are you doing? He said, well, I'm building the wall, you know. And if I ask some other guy, he says, well, what are you doing? He said, we're building a cathedral. You know, he like had the entire vision. And so the question is, are your people laying bricks or are they building cathedrals? And the cost of not communicating vision is pretty high. According to a recent Gallup workforce panel study, 51% of employees are actively looking for a new job at any point in time. Whoa. That's yeah. sobering. 
And the cost of replacing somebody, as you know, is quite high. According to one estimate that I've seen, it costs an employer about 20% of that position's salary to hire, recruit, and onboard uh, replacement. Yeah, I think that's really low in my experience. I do too. You know, I think you that feels like about what you'd pay to recruit that position. <laughs> but then you have to think about the opportunity costs. You know, what what have you lost? Probably leading up to that person le- leaving was a lack of productivity, sideways energy, all kind. Yeah, lack of engagement. So you lost things there. Then there's a hit to your culture that has a cost in terms of efficiency and productivity and morale. And then you have to find a new person, which has you know direct and indirect costs, onboard them. And, you know, in my experience, it takes three to six months before a new employee is fully up and running in their new role and contributing at the level that, you know, you really hired them to. So, I mean, this is costly. Yeah. You need to communicate regularly, but here's what's even more important. You have to have a communications plan for the vision. So in other words, you just, it's just not enough to look yourself in the mirror and say, oh yeah, I got to communicate more because you're probably not going to do it. You've got to build it into your systems. Like for us, it's at our quarterly training. When we get the entire team together once a quarter, it's at our annual meeting. We have designated times on the calendar when we're not only not only communicating the vision, but revisiting the vision, revising it with the executive team, looking at it with the leadership team, rolling out out to all the employees. As a part of strategic planning. Yeah, that's right. And then just completely, you know, con- continuing to to revisit that on a um, you know, a rhythm so that we never lose sight of it. If you don't do that, you're going to lose sight of it. You're not going to remind yourself enough unless you just happen to stumble across a podcast that says, oh yeah, you got to talk about the vision. It's kind of like reminding yourself to look at your goals or keeping your goals visible. If you just hope that you'll remember it because it's important, you won't. You have to actually develop a discipline, a rhythm around that visibility so that you don't lose sight of it. And it's even more important at a corporate level. Good parallel. Hey everybody, Mike Boyer here with a question for you. Have you shared Lead to Win with your friends? If you haven't, we'd love for you to do that right now. You are our very best source for discovering new listeners. Drop a link to this episode into a text message or your favorite social media channel. Your friends will thank you for it. Don't forget the hashtag Lead to Win. And if you haven't had a chance to review the podcast yet, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can do that on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you need help with that, check the easy tutorial in today's show notes at Lead to Win. We're eager to hear from you guys, and we do read every single review. Thanks. So the key takeaway is that communicating the vision is an ongoing responsibility for the leader. So step number one, clarify your vision. Step number two, communicate your vision. And step number three, connect people to your vision. Yeah, this is really the personnel challenge. You got to show people how their job fits into the whole. In other words, every job matters. Really, every job matters. But it's up to us as leaders to be creative enough and take the initiative to say, here's how that fits into the bigger role. You know, I've got to be able to talk to Jim Kelly, my executive assistant, and say, Jim, what you're doing today is not just administrative work that takes, you know, something off my plate, but this really matters. You know, this frees me up to do something that leads to the vision. You got to connect the dots. Yeah, Jim understands that. That's why your schedule is so hard to crack, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true enough. Yeah. But I think also assuring people that they have a place in the vision, you know, and that their work matters and here's exactly how it matters. And just periodically, you have to remind people how that that piece of the puzzle fits into the entire uh, thing that you're creating. 
That's particularly important for more supportive aspects of your business, like finance or operations or um, things related to supply chain, you know, things that are a little more disconnected from the frontline part of your business, you know, like the marketing team, uh, the product teams, the executive team, they, they probably all are pretty clear on how they're contributing to the vision, right? Because they're hands on making new stuff and getting it to the customers. But the people who are processing transactions or planning meetings or things like that, it can feel really disconnected. And so you really have to think through, you know, when you're processing a transaction in the accounting department, how does that matter? You know, well, we we never get to get our products to the customer unless you're doing that. You know, the transformation that we're trying to affect in the lives of our clients and customers is only possible because you're processing those transactions. Mm -hmm. It's only possible because you're making a way for people to enter our programs practically. That's good. Because you're watching our profitability and you're making sure that um, things are properly allocated and that we're you know spending wisely and investing wisely, things like that. You do have to connect the dots, though. I want to say one other thing about how you communicate to people on your team, depending on how different the vision is from your current reality and depending on the history of your company. First of all, you have to respect the past. So whenever you're introducing change that's going to result in change for people, it unsettles a lot of people. Now, some people thrive on change. I, I happen to thrive on change. Megan, I know that's uh, the case for you. Larry, I don't know about you. Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> so, for, so for people that don't thrive on change, and vision is all about creating change, right? You don't need a vision if things are going to just be the status quo. Otherwise, you know, you, you only need a vision if you're going to change things. But you've got to respect the past because everything that you want to change was once a brilliant solution to a problem that existed before, Yeah. right? And so if you're going to dismantle that, you've got to respect it first. Second thing is, I think it's helpful when you're rolling out a vision to your team is to remind them about what's not going to change. I think that's really true. This is something I've learned from you, um, especially as we've initiated change in our company, maybe big announcements at our annual meeting or something. And, you know, our natural orientation, the two of us, is like, this is awesome. They're going to be so excited to learn about what's coming. And you're like, actually, not everybody may be excited to learn about what's coming. And so to always present your messaging when you're communicating vision or anything significant from the perspective and the concerns of uh, your team is really critical. Don't sell it to your team like you would sell it to yourself because they're not buying the same thing. That's right. You know, they their security is wrapped up in what you're going to share. Their um, sense of identity is in their work. There's so many things that if you disrupt it, could be threatening to them. Um, so I think I've really learned that from you from a communication strategy hmm. standpoint. And I tell you what, when I've gotten in trouble, it's because I have ignored that. <laughs> yeah, you know, people need a foundation that's not moving. Right. Then they can process all kinds of change. But if they know what's not going to change, that the foundation is going to remain constant and that there's a lot of good stuff that, that we're going to continue with into the future, then they can process the change and just sort of metabolize it more easily. Well, there's actually some research that, that backs this point about connecting people to their passion in a study of 21 companies that consistently rated on the top lists of best places to work. And there are several of those major lists that come out each year. Each of these companies was in that top 10 for four years in a row. And they said one of the best ways to retain employees was to help them identify, this is the word they used, their calling. To show how their wow. deepest aspirations connect to the work they're doing every day. 
So interestingly, um, I was listening to someone recently, I can't remember who it was, but just talk about how our culture has changed um, over time and where identity comes from, you know, and in the past, you would have a lot of identity uh, from living in the same place as generations of your family, you would have a lot of identity in your family, in your, um, in your faith, in your church community. And as things have changed over time, the one of the biggest reasons um, that people are dissatisfied at work or, or having mental health issues is because so much of our identity is centralized now in our work. You know, it's not mm-hmm. in our relationships. It's not in our history. I mean, it is in our relationships in the context of work, but it's like there are, are so few things left as we become increasingly individualistic. I think as employers, sometimes in leaders, we forget how much pressure people are putting on their jobs to get their sense of calling or meaning or purpose. And, you know, whether or not we can fully answer that, or we should, is kind of a debate for another time. But I think we need to at least understand that that's in the air. And that's part of what people are coming to us with, even though they may not know it. It, It's really an imperative for us as leaders to find out what the people that are working with us, what they feel like their sense of calling is, and then to connect that, help them see how that fits in, you know, to the vision. I want to throw in another thought from that same study that I cited. The companies who were able to do that successfully, they found that their employees were more productive and happier and even felt lucky to work where they did. Love that. This really is an argument too, isn't it, for having a vision that's fleshed out and that statement about impact that's part of your vision script, Michael, so that whatever your business is, you're seeing the ways that you are positively impacting your customers because mm-hmm. if you're not, it's pretty hard to connect people to yeah. that. And, and even beyond your customers, just the world in general. You know, I think that there are a lot of companies out there that have done a great job connecting their social impact with their employees' desire to, to make a difference in the world. And so it kind of goes beyond the scope of maybe uh, the immediate mission of the company, but realizing that we all exist in a context, in a social context, where there are ripples from our business. And to be responsible with that, whether it's the environment or climate or other things, you know, we need to be thoughtful about that, include that in our vision. Well, here's a question for you guys. Um, Have you ever had an occasion where you've tried to communicate your vision, clarify it as best you can, and then connect people to it, but some people just sort of don't buy into it? I, I think that in larger corporations, I think depending on the history, people can be cynical. You know, it's like, well, we've heard this before, or, you know, that's nice, but they see such a gap between their current reality and the vision with no articulation about how we're going to get there, that it just sounds like pie in the sky. And it actually makes people more discontent. You know, that's what could be, but that's not what is. And so you're just being hypocritical. And so I think people can disengage from that. So I think it's, it's, we've got to be honest and humble as leaders to say, look, here's our vision and acknowledge we are not there yet. You know, we're a work in process, but we can't create this by ourselves as leaders. We need all of us. It's going to take all of us working together to create this future. Well, the key point here is that people don't want to join a vision that doesn't include them. So show them where they fit and they'll be much more likely to sign in and support your vision for your company and the world. Today, we've learned that every leader can retain a great team by taking three steps. One, clarify your vision. Two, communicate your vision. And three, connect people to your vision. 
What are your final thoughts today? You know, if you're a leader right now who maybe doesn't have a vision or has a vision in your head or maybe partially on paper, but it's not as clear as it needs to be, I just want to encourage you to invest the time to get clear because you can't imagine the impact that this is going to have on your organization, on your team, um, kind of at large and also individually when you take the time to make your vision explicit and then you develop a communication plan around it. It will absolutely transform your company and your ability to retain and attract great talent will just increase. Yeah. The thing I would say is that I think there's a misconception in our culture that you're either a visionary leader or you're not. I think every leader can be visionary. All they have to do is to have a process, sort of a template in place. That's what I tried to offer with my new book, The Vision Driven Leader. But anybody can be visionary if you're willing to take the time and do the hard work of getting clear on what you want. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Michael, for a very challenging episode today. Absolutely. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Megan. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. And we'll see you right here next week. Until then, lead to win. Okay. We're going to try this one more time. Let's do this it. is Lead to Win, How to Solve Your Turnover Problem. And we're not talking Apple turnovers. Okay. <laughs> this episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Leader Books, Michael Hyatt's monthly book club for leaders. You can learn more at leadto.win slash leaderbooks.